yeah, what do you what do you think of them, Jared? The that new 15x collar is really nice. I'm actually using it for the bird dog side every day, and it's, I mean, I think I charged it once in 10 or 12 days of run. Obviously, I'm not using it all day. You know, it's on for six hours a day, probably. Right. Six, seven hours, and then I turn it off and hit it the next day. But I haven't had to charge a collar for over almost two weeks, and that was that That's was crazy. super handy, dude. I mean, some of my the Pro Series, the 500, and then using the uh, the the older God, I can't even remember what they the GX or whatever that. Anyway, you know, I could get two or three days runtime out of those probably, and then I'd be charging them. My batteries right. are probably starting to get low, but. Having that 15X is really nice, man. Yeah. The battery life is really good. I know. I wish the handheld matched the collars. <laughs> I know, huh? I bet. I wish you... You probably get that a lot. Call oh, Martin yeah. and tell him to make a battery for the 200i that'll last as long as, no as, long as the 15X. That's, yeah, that's that would probably make all one, of our lives easier. Probably one of the big ones I hear. <laughs> it's definitely the battery life. But I want to do a test on sleep mode like how long you can leave one in oh, i've got one charged up i'm gonna try it and see because you know in that sleep mode they'll last forever long time i don't even want to throw a number out there but i have a number in my head on how long that thing will last yeah. and i want to see how close i am so i don't think i've ever put one into sleep mode i've always just changed the update rate so is the sleep mode in the same screen that you would change the update rate in uh, uh yeah, you can do it from the dog information page. Okay. So when you put it in the sleep mode, it cuts transmission. Oh, it does. Yeah. So you're running on nothing. Uh it, it's basically just pulling enough power to keep searching for a signal to wake it up, but it's gotcha. not transmitting a GPS location. So nice. your battery life on our minis, I know I I put one in sleep mode for couple of weeks several weeks really yeah wow. if it was in full sleep mode but i haven't ran one in a long time i i thought i had written it down how far or how long it lasted i'll have to see if i can find it That's but i want to try one with the 15 x's because you know the ideal part is is you're going from like you're hitting a canyon you're you know you're doing your hunting you right. want to go hit another spot you sleep mode it instead sleep of having mode. to take it off the dog because I can think back to when I was starting and how hard it was. Like when you didn't have a handle on those dogs, yeah. you didn't want to be taking a collar off and putting it on every time you stopped because that's when dogs get out without collars and stuff goes south. Yep. So you can just put it in sleep mode and yeah. wake it back up. Or, you know, if you know you've got a long ways around, you know, dog yeah. goes over a ridge, you got a long time to get around or you think right. you're going to be overnight or something like that. Right put it to sleep, go around, wake it back up, you know, next morning when you come back in or whatever. And it, I don't know, it seems to work pretty well so far. I haven't had any issues with it. It'd be super handy at bear camp this summer because I oh, can just yeah. leave them on the puppies. Yeah, the I'm whole time you're out the there. The whole time I'm up there, I'm camping for a week straight. It's like, just link it, put them all on and... Then when everybody's shutting down for the night, just sleep mode everything sleep and get up the next morning and wake everything up and not have to be collaring those pups. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we let them loose too, and they just kind of all over camp, you know. Yeah, It'd be kind of be kind of nice to not have to be like, okay, turn that one off and put a new one on him and yep. just leave it on him. And then when everybody's 
passed out, sleep mode, everything. And that would be super handy. I'm excited for that. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. So when's your bear camp starting up? You Um, still got a little bit, don't you? Oh yeah. Yeah. We don't do our bear camp until the summer. Right. In July, the July pursuit, we go up on top of the mountain at like 10,000 feet and get the cool weather, get out of, get (laughs) Get out out of the the heat. heat. Yep. Pull the trailer up there, pull the bird dogs up there. Pull the hounds up there. It's a lot of fun. Don't want you don't want to camp next to us though, because it'd be like forty dogs up there. <laughs> <laughs> there's a whole lot of dog crap but, somewhere. Yeah, there's just a lot of noise. You know, there's puppies barking, and anyway, it's a fun time though, because we have bear camp and and uh, bird dogs, and get up super early, run the bear, run the dogs, run a bear if you can. Usually we can get something rolling, and then in the afternoons, train bird dogs. So heck yeah. Make good use out of your time. Yeah, get equalize the days. It's too hot down here in the valley to train in the afternoons to get too right. warm. So. Well, li- line season's done for you, right? Line season is just about wrapped. Yeah, I'll probably catch. I'll probably try and go catch a couple more, but for the most part, bears starting to get on the mind. So, how was season this year? Line season was good. Was really good. Um, did some outfitting. Did some guiding. Dogs are all dialed in right now, man. They are they are tuned awesome. up right now. It's so it's so fun to see that. It's a lot of work. Uh, it's a lot of travel. You know, it's a lot of grind. I know you and I were talking a little bit in that period, and it's like, when can we get together? And I don't know. I get up at <laughs> I get up at two and I go to bed at nine or ten. So it's like you just it's a lot of grind. But oh, we did yeah. well. We did well. Do you Dogs have any weather good. early in season, or did you have to wait? We did have some early, and then it melted all off, and then, and then it came back. Mm, I don't know. I can't even remember the. It's all a big blur. The latter part of the season had some pretty good storms. Yeah. And then we started dry grounding it, and that's, that's sexy. That's fun. You know, that's <laughs> cool to to see that big old tom line tracking that sand, and you're just like, oh, dude. Oh yeah. Heck yeah, bad. you know, let's get after it. So. How how big was the big tom track? That thing was massive. It was nice. It was a really nice tom. Um, yeah, the dogs did great. I had some good help. I had my brother there that day, and I had a really good hunting buddy, Corbin, and and they were able to help. You know, I think on that one track, we probably had like seven or eight different sending scenarios. Yeah, I, it, it blows my mind. You know how much different that is than like a snow track. You know, even oh, if you find sure. a two day old snow track. You've got melt, and you've got warm in the spring. You've got all kinds of different conditions. But even on that, you know, that was a nice, pretty kind of not too hot day. We're still in the spring. and the, But, man, it was like some places in the sand, the sand is that really fine stuff, and the, the wind gets a hold of it. So the scent, you know, you were slowing right down, and the dogs were like just right. pecking it, you know, just like we can smell it here. They couldn't smell it for another... 40, 50 yards, and they could smell it here underneath this tree. and just It was a grind. Pack. It was a grind, but the dogs did really good, and I had those guys, you know, it's nice to have, hey, we're, we're a mile from the truck or whatever. Well, I'll go back and get the truck and leapfrog it around, and then, yeah. you know, I'll keep walking with the dogs or I'll push the track. And it was, the dogs did well, and then they got him on that ledge, and that was awesome. It's just, it's beautiful country down there in southern Utah. So, Red uh, Rock. That's awesome. Yeah, it was cool. They got him ledged up, and then 
we were concerned about getting the dogs thrown off the ledges, so we finally pulled everybody back, and he kind of got up, and I think when he got up and started doing his trot away, it was like, whoa, that's a lot bigger cat than we just thought it was. Oh, you know, yeah. when they're crouched down on the rock, it's like, oh, that's a good cat, and then all of a sudden when he stands up and length, lengthens out and starts That's moving, what I thought. You're like, oh, shoot, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and he just kind of made that loop. You put the video up on your Instagram, didn't you? I did. Yeah. yeah. He gets up from that, you know, he does. the dog gets pulled off that back legend. and he makes a big old loop right behind us. Yeah. So how yep. far how far from there did she catch him again? Um, it wasn't too far. I think he went like 800 yards on the Garmin or something. Did he, he actually, tree? Well, he actually went under like underneath a ledge and got underneath the ledge and as we were trying to get there, I'm the slowest one, dude. <laughs> My brother and Corbin, they could just fly. They just, poof, they're gone. They're already ahead of me anyway. To get Anyway, Corbin got down there, and um, he's like, I could hear the dogs just, like, baying, and I could hear the fight going on. And he's like, one of the dogs must have got in there, and he came, because he flew right past Corbin, and then he went up a tree right there. So, oh. But for a minute, he was just in a hole. That's which, sketchy. Yeah, it can be. That can be crappy. Yeah. We had a line that this, this year that we killed. Well, the guy shot and it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, didn't die. And I had Beretta and two other dogs on it and it broke its front right shoulder, but it was still, man, and Beretta's still got, uh, she's got part of her ear that's cut and hanging down. And she, mm-hmm. yeah, I got over there and the, the lion had her in, in, the lion had a hold of her head, and then she had a hold of the lion's head, and it was just one of those cut like hands on a baseball bat. Oh man, the guy's like, "What do you want me to do?" And I'm like, just a second, as soon as I can pull that dog back, I want you to get up there and finish that lion. And that oh, it was with a client. Oh yeah, it was Western. That's always, dude. I don't know if I can handle that when you're not the one in control of like that situation a hundred percent. Like oh. I know it's like. A guide you are in control, but there's always a factor in that shooter. And, like, it's your your dogs, your life, his life. Right. You know, like, you're there to make sure these people have a good hunt and make it back home in one piece. Yeah. That's got to be sketchy and stressful. It's very stressful. In fact, I lost, I lost a dog and my buddy lost two dogs. We hunt together a lot. Not this winter, but the winter before on a ledge because... We actually had the, the cat treed above the ledges, and the guy made not a good shot. The cat went down on the ledges, and then we had a big old mess on the ledges with a, a wounded cat, and dogs ended up falling, and just a bad deal, you know. So you're right. There is a whole nother factor. You don't have as much control. You don't have very much control when you, when somebody else has got the got the gun. Yeah. No, I couldn't imagine. And I think, like, even back, I've put somebody in that situation. You know, when I was first hunting, my first year bear hunting in California, Mm -hmm. I remember vividly. I mean, I'll never forget the hunt. It was was the first year I had dogs. Like, I didn't buy a tag until I had dogs kind of deal. But I'd go down and go hunting with them. And we ended up catching one right towards the end of season. I don't even think I had a dog on it. You know, but it was like last weekend we were going to be down there and uh, this thing's sitting up in the tree and dogs are still coming across and they're throwing them across the creek. And they said, just don't shoot them until 
we tell you. Right. Which, great, yeah, in my head, no big deal. Like, Sure. So I, I spot it up in the tree, you know, and I'm watching it, and there's dogs under it, and there's dogs coming across the creek, and guys throwing them across the creek, <laughs> you know. It, right. It was probably early December. So, wow. I mean, it wasn't real nice out. Right. And I'm, uh, I got this bear looking at him through the scope. I walk around the tree to see if I can get another better shot at him. And as I'm coming back around, I heard something and it's the sound you will never forget once you hear it of a bear coming down on top of you, like just sliding down the tree. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like somebody just took a baseball bat full of 16 penny nails and just drove it into (laughs) a side of a tree and they're just raking it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, oh crap. So I turn around and I throw the gun up and I just see hair. Because I'm on instinct. Like, I know the bear's not going to get me. I'm not worried about that. Right. But in my my rookiness, I don't know, inexperience, yeah. right. I'm like, I don't want this thing to get away. <laughs> and, and everything else went out the window. You know, I didn't even think about it. Right. So this thing climbs down to a point. I see two black spots. And it was a little cinnamon bear. But I know what those two black spots are. And I just dropped the hammer. Yeah. And this bear flops out. You know, he was probably, I'm going to say 15 foot up. You know, he was about down there. Hits the snow. I think it's all done and over. Well, then I go walking up to the thing. And next thing you know, it's head shaking. And it, there's a paw coming at me. I mean, about got my foot. Wow. And just wheels around and takes off right towards the creek where my buddies have got dogs throwing them across and right. looking back now, if any of you guys are listening, I'm real sorry about that. Like <laughs> <laughs> I can look back now and I like, luckily it all worked out. Yeah, We ended up getting the bear and, and everything was fine. Nobody got hurt. But I think back, man, that was a real dumb move on my part. And just, even though it wasn't intentional, what inexperience will make you prioritize things differently. Right. If that makes sense. You know, my yep. priority was the bear, not the dogs. Yeah. And it's because I was new and I didn't understand the, the repercussions of if things like that go bad. Right. So it's like now, even though I've never had it happen, I can see it at least. And I know guys that, you know, they've had dogs killed because somebody was inexperienced and made a bad shot or, or something happened. Yeah. Or, you know, you wait too long because you want to find a better way in or Sinning yeah. conditions. There, there's a hundred thousand reasons that things can go south. Yep. But I would imagine like anytime I talk to the outfitters and guides, it's just, that's the one thing that I think would be the hardest It is is you've poured everything into those dogs and, and what you're doing and trying to accomplish the goal. Right. And then like, what if it goes south? Yeah. How, what it, I mean, if you want to say something that gentleman actually, um, so we got that cat killed on the ground with those three or four dogs. And he was just, after it was over, he was just standing there shaking. You know? Shaking. And he's like, you don't know this, but I've hunted all over the world. And he's like, I've shot Cape Buffalo at 15 paces right. charging me, you know, and in Africa. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, this tops that way, way. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's like, the adre- he the adrenaline was just so much he couldn't. You know, and, and you don't, it's funny because you tree hundreds of cats or, or whatever, and it's like everything's just smooth, everything works good. But then you, you I don't know, I've become extremely 
uh, grateful for all the good times, all the, you know, everybody goes back to the truck, all the dogs are in good, the smooth good trips. health. Yep. Yep. Cause it, all, all it takes is the blink of an eye and you're hunting an apex predator, man. They kill. Oh yeah. They kill for a living. That's what they do. And that's business. They are, they are, when they're cornered, they become, I, I'm not usually too worried about cats. Cause it's like, they, they're a little more chicken than a bear. You know, they go up a tree a lot faster than they don't fight dogs on the ground typically mm-hmm. but if you get a wounded cat dude they they just they go to oh, that's a, different yeah it's a whole nother level of crazy and but yeah the, the the cat we killed on the desert this year was awesome and it was a great experience and dude i'm i i'm almost speechless like what do you say other than i'm i was very grateful you know you you have an, a lot more respect for that caliber of a cat right he's been put hands on him yeah He's been alive that long, and lots of other hounds would have tried to catch him, and he got away or whatever happened, sure. you know. And so when it all clicks, and and then it's like I'm the one that's got a tag in my hand, and yeah. And when you when you when you harvest a cat and he gets bigger, like the longer that we never were, happens. <laughs> yeah, the longer we kept moving him around and kind of pulling him out, and and they're like, you need to hold him up, and it was like, you know, the guy taking the pictures, like. Holy shit, dude! That's a big cat. Like this thing's getting bigger. The more right. we, the more we put. Anyway, yeah, and it was, it was really nice cat. And you had Mark. all your dogs on it. Yeah, or I had most even of the young mine. ones. Um, I was able to kick in the young ones for the first half of that race. It was pretty slow going and tough conditions, and yeah, wouldn't have. It would have been nice to have the young pups there, but. We just didn't. Sometimes it was it was one of those days where you weren't expecting that to happen. It was like, hey, let's go, tra- <laughs> let's go train, right? Let's just go down on the desert and train. And you roll up there at nine o'clock and you cut this track, and then everything just kind of unfolds. And then when it's all over, you look back and you're like, holy cow, that, that was, was a freaking deal. awesome day. Yeah, that that only happens every once in a while. So yeah, no kidding. Sweet. It was super sweet. And these, I know we've talked about it before, but people that aren't familiar with your past podcasts, you run the same dogs on bear that you run on cats too. I do. Yeah. Yep. In fact, I just had a guy message us today. Um, can't remember his name right now, but he was out of Montana and he was talking about getting Finnish lion dogs to run bears because they got a, a bear season now. Yeah, they do up there. Yeah. I heard so, that. Yeah. He was. He says, you might ask the guys what they think about this, you know, and getting them to run it. And I'm obviously no expert in either one right. or any of this, but um, I don't know. Like, you've just always ran yours on cats and bears, right? Yeah. I, I've, I've wanted a, I don't know, maybe it's coming from the bird dog side, but I wanted a dog that can do both. Yeah. If not, if not run bobcats too. In sure. my mind, it's like, why can't I catch bears, bobcats, and lions? with the same dog now right. granted uh, the longer i do this the more i realize that there are dogs that have personality traits genetic traits that sure. make them better at a certain task like some of these dry ground guys that hunt you know in arizona or whatever and that's all they do 24 7 is hunt dry ground like cleave dwyer and those kind of guys that are on a mule every day their their style of dogs probably you know do they need a dog that can pick their head up and run a bear like 
Right. Some of my blue dogs do, you know, have a 20-mile race in an afternoon. They probably don't need that dog. They don't. They, in fact, they don't want that dog. They want a dog that's going to track the track and grind that dirt track out. So, But for me, yeah, for me, I've wanted both. Which one yeah. did you start on? Um, I started more, more bear heavy. Yeah. So I think the first five or six years it was, I just enjoyed the bear more. I didn't, dude, I, I grew up hunting upland and I hated waterfowl because it was cold and wet. Right. I hated sitting in the duck blind and just freezing my butt off. So I was like, cause I could never afford the $3,000, $5,000 worth of gear I needed to stay warm sitting in a duck blind. So sure. I always just chased quail and pheasants and. Anyway, yeah. Bears so in the I, summer. I love I love bear hunting because it was like you could do it in a t shirt and you know jeans and just go and have fun and bear a bear race is like a UFC fight. It's like right. once you get it rolling, it's like pour the heat. Just let's yep. have let's have a fight, you know. And the lion hunting is more like a chess match. It's like where did he go and how can we cut him fresh the next day? And it's just just different. It's just a different race, but. I don't know. It's it's cool to see dogs that can do both. It's it really is. It's, yeah. I know when we we hunt heavy bear and try to switch to lion, there's probably five to six races that are just a nightmare. The, <laughs> you they're trying to the run lion tracks off. like yeah, the dogs are still in bear mode and they want to run the bear track like a lion, you know a lion track like a bear track and vice versa. Now getting these guys off a, a lot of lions this this winter and trying to get them to run bear, it'll take. Th- four or five races before we're cranking again, you know? Yeah. I think a lot of it, I mean, like with any of it, it's going to depend on the dog too. Yep. Cause like even, even the dogs that I'm hunting right now, granted, I've haven't been doing a real gate job lately and they might, might go out and trash. You never know. But when you see them walk right over areas that, you know, there's bears going through and they've just never tried to run one. Yeah. Like you're not going to make a bear dog out of that. Yeah. I don't think you might be able to coax them into it and put them with something and get them going. But going. if they've passed by it all these years and you're talking older dogs, I just don't know how much success you're really going to have. And I wonder, yeah, I mean, you're a trainer. So what do you think of this? Let's say you got a dog that's ran lions. It's five years old. Yes. Prime of its life. I mean, yep. tip top shape, good finished lion hound. Never yes. been broke on bears. But the fact that maybe it's gone over bears a bunch of times, okay? Right. And it's never done it, and then you coax it into it, do you think you're going to start seeing other issues as far as trash? Like, oh, well, now it's okay to run this. I've never been broke on a javelina, or I've never been broke on a a fox or a deer. I mean, some dogs just... That five-year-old, I don't think so. I don't think so. I've got a friend that's that's been hunting bears with me the last two years pretty hard, and he's got he's had hardcore lion dogs. They just and they come and run with the bear dogs. A lot of them don't. He made the comment the other day. In fact, he started four four other dogs I think now, and he's training them completely different than he trained his lion dogs. He yeah. wants them aggressive. He wants them with their head up, running with their head up, and. I don't think you're going to take a five-year-old lion dog that's a true dirt, you know, dirt grinding type dog and turn him into a fantastic bear dog. It doesn't, yeah. doesn't work very, I mean, he's, he's got five dogs that we turned out on bear all last year. And at the end, he's just like, you know what? I'm, 
wasting my time. I'm going <laughs> to just keep those five dogs, true lion dogs, and then I'm just going to build another little pack over here sure. with, with bear dogs. I think they, you know, they don't, they just don't run it with the same grit and enthusiasm. They're just That's like, what I was they're just there, say. and they're just kind of like putting around, but they're there, but they're not like grinding. They're not like, in it. They're not up. They're not the front pushing the track. You know, mm-hmm. they're not. They're not balls to the wall. Just yeah, we got to catch this thing. So that's kind of what I was thinking. Was like they. Anytime you got to coax a dog on something, I just always wonder how much heart is it really running. Yeah, with? they're you know because it's like yeah. okay, it might be there and looking like it, and luckily we got Garmin. I mean, right. you can tell what a dog's doing, but it just gives you an idea. Like that number two dog, number three, number four, are they there because that's where they run or are they there because that's where they want to be? Yeah. A guy that I used to hunt with in California, he actually hunted with my great uncle years ago. And that's what I said something about. I can't remember. Maybe it was Sue's. She was related to some of my blue tick stuff I got later on. Right. And I said, well, he says, she's running right there. I said, how come she's hanging so far back? He says, she's right where she wants to be. Right where she wants to be. You know, and that's the truth. That's just some dogs, it's where they want to be. But when right. I watch him pick her up out of the box and set her down at 14 years old or whatever she was on a cat track, you know, he just let her go and do her thing. Right. And when she couldn't get it moving out of there, then he tries, you know, the other dogs. But it's like, yep, those dogs are doing exactly what they want to do. So the heart level, I think, has a lot to do with it. Yeah. The style of dog, too. I mean, I've had multiple guys that catch a lot of lions call me and say, hey, you know, we're running. We're we're chasing these bears, but we're not catching them, you know? Yeah. And it's like, well, and they said, they call me and say, I, I'm calling to talk to you about do I have the dogs that I need? Do you think I should get a few different dogs? Do you have a dog for sale? They're asking like, well, so the guys keep telling me that I should call you because you got bear dogs. And I'm like, yeah, there is, there's a difference between a true, uh, bear dog, true bear dog that leads that pack. than than a dog that's just there, you know, some of those dogs that are just there are a hundred yards behind that bear, 50 yards oh, yeah. behind that. And they're trailing and they're having a good time. But they're not putting any pressure on a bear to make him climb. Cheerleaders. Yeah. That's what a lot of guys I hear call them. You know, they're there yeah, and they're in it, but they're not they're not in there throwing blows, you know, no. or really putting heat. They're just, hey, I'm supposed to follow this. Right. And eventually I'm gonna get to a tree. Right. You know, as opposed to we gotta run this thing up a tree. Yes. Yeah, but, one of the one of the guys that I talked to, he's uh it's like you know, hey, this dog's going to run this bear, and he's going to run it to catch it. He's mm-hmm. going to full throttle it until he's just going to run to catch instead of just run to run, you know, just cheerlead. So, yeah, yeah, there's a – and to be honest, you know, not every dog in my pack is the – you know, we I think we look back on that conversation you and I and Bear were having about having six quarterbacks instead of a yep. linebacker and a receiver and – it's hard to get six quarterbacks. It's hard to get six all-stars, you know. It really is. It's So it's still a pack, you know. You have dogs that have strengths and weaknesses. But together, they make a mean team. For sure. Um, yeah, yeah, and then one piece affects everything. Yeah, and then you lose your lead dog, and then you're like... <laughs> yep. <laughs> now you I'm living that life right now, man. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not doing my part the way I should be either, but... Yeah. You know, it's... 
I think that's the thing is a lot of the guys I talk to, it's like life happens. It does. You, you know, it, it just does. And you just got to make the best of your opportunities and, and get out when you can and, yeah, and this, hope it's enough. This winter, I was fortunate to have, I had set aside time to hunt and I got, and that's, you know, it was really cool. My dogs mm-hmm. have probably never been this, like, hunted that many days consecutively for right since I got into it. But I had set aside three months to just grind, you know, and just hunt as much as he can almost every day. Which That's is awesome. It was awesome. It makes it makes you <laughs> it makes you not want to go back to your day job because right your dogs are like at this pinnacle, and it's like I know if I don't hunt hard for three weeks or two weeks, they're gonna be. Right back mm-hmm. to out of shape, fat, soft. Takes you two months to get them to where you want them. It takes about two weeks to undo all that. Well, exactly. Like, you know, you hunting like that, you saw it. And, and it, I remember when I finally realized there's a difference between dogs being in shape and somebody thinking dogs are in shape. Like, I used to think I had dogs that were in shape. Yeah. I don't have dogs that are in shape right now, but I can tell you when they were in shape. And it was such a difference. Yeah. It's... uh. It's a lot more than what the average person thinks to get a dog in shape, I think. Like, hunting a day a week, two days a week even. Like, there is a different pinnacle. <laughs> I mean, when you got guys that are hunting dogs five, six, seven days a week, yeah, it is a totally mind-blowing difference. Right. And it's Hats- hard to go back to not being at that level, too. Yeah. Hats off to those guys that make a living with their hounds because it's work, man. When it boils down to it, it's work. And those dogs are hard. They're hard as a rock. I mean, they, their feet are tough. Mentally tough. Yeah, they're mentally, yeah, mentally, super mental. Because the fifth day you pull that dog out of the box and he's just exhausted and it's like, I don't want to go today, you know, when it's the first of the season. At the end of the season, when it's day five, it's like, bring it. Yeah, where's the next thing. one? I'll kill him. Like, where's he at? Right. Like, they get, they just get so dialed and gritty, and they don't make many mistakes, and they don't. There's just nothing that's gonna outrun them. You know, it's just like pour it, pour it on. Right. It's pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's hunting them like that, man. It's a different level for sure. Yeah, it is. And I don't know. I mean, maybe if you were putting a dog on that much game, trying to switch from lion to bear. You could get an older dog to do it. And I'm sure there's guys that will say you can. And I'm not going to say you can't. Sure. I just think, like, if you're dealing with an older age bracket. Right. Which I don't know what this guy had specifically. He didn't say. But I think it's harder. You know, because, A, they're not going to run him with all that heart either. Mm -hmm. You know, a young dog, I think you could probably get him going fairly easy. You had a one-year-old that saw 20 lions just. And he's got the right style to hunt bears, mm-hmm. you know. When I say style, I mean a dog that can put his nose down and grind, and then he knows when to pick his head up and and roll. It's that's that. I'll be honest. It's really it's easier to find like a true bear dog and a true lion dog. It's easier to have two different dogs. Yep. And just have hey, this one is going to grind a track and catch that line, and this one will, you know, run with his head up and just drill a bear. It is a lot easier to do to get two different separate dogs with separate breedings and separate genetics than it is to find one dog that to try to get him to do both. That's it does both. It's harder. It's a lot harder. Yeah, I don't know that I would go buy a five year old lion dog though and try to switch him to bears. 
No. Pro- probably, I, I, I would, I wouldn't do that before I would find, and then, you know, make, like we've talked in this podcast so many times, find those guys that are hunting the style and, and the manner that you like to, the country you like to, and, and, you know, pick their brain and get the, get a dog from them that's already doing what you're after. Anyway, yeah. that's repetitive. We've talked about that a lot. <laughs> it's the truth though. Yeah. I mean, cause every region's different. I mean, if you're hunting in Montana, you're, you're probably not going to be looking for a dry ground dog really, you probably. know, but yeah, it's interesting to get these questions in here though. Try to, you know, Montana getting that season's a big deal anyway. Like this is kind of uncharted territory for a I lot know. of those guys. And we should do a, like bear dog one oh one with somebody. Yeah, we should. You know, that'd be pretty cool. It would be pretty cool. It's different. Like some of them the only exposure they have is Facebook or, you know, YouTube or something like that. Right. Where well, they're just beginning and they're just trying to get I mean, I I was I've been that guy before. Yeah, right. Anybody that'll talk to you, you try to talk to them and ask them questions and pick their brain and that's how you learn. <laughs> and then analyze everything and yeah. roll it over about ten thousand times. Right. And, and then the more you learn you realize you don't know jack crap. <laughs> oh yeah. No, that's I've learned that's a continuation. The longer you're in this, the more you learn you don't know. Don't know. Yeah. I that's remember how it works. I remember when I first started hunting with my my buddy that's kind of my mentor and it's like, "Well, why did the dogs do that?" And he would tell me, "I don't know." And I'd be so frustrated. I'm like, "What do you mean you don't know? You've been doing this for 25 years, 30 years." And then 2 days later he'd call me and be like, "I got it figured out. I think I know what happened that day." But in right. that moment it was like, "I don't know what the heck just happened." I can't, I don't know, you know, and then they have to think about it and mill mill it over in their head for a while. And then they come back and like, I bet you this is what happened that day. He realized it at like two in the morning when he couldn't sleep. (laughs) That's how it usually works. Yeah. So do you do anything? I mean, since you're going to be shifting to bears here pretty quick, do you do anything other than just go turn them loose on a bear and go get the side by side out? Just go back to it? No, I get the side by side out and start stretching them out. Start start roading the dogs pretty hard. Because there's a difference between being in lion shape and in bear shape, in my opinion. Like, even though I've been hunting hard, you know, lion lion races aren't bear races. Right. You know, a good lion race is 2 to 6 miles, 2 to 8 miles, 2 to 10. A good bear race starts at 20. <laughs> at least yeah. in our country, they get dogged quite a bit. And so they've learned if they can just run and run and run, the dogs will soon fall out. So. There'll be some, it'll be, I don't know, like I said, it'll take a few races and it'll start taking some roading to get them even that next level up. And there's something in the spring too. It's like, there's all this pollen in the air and the dog, everything smells good. And, you know, the dogs are, I, I, yeah, they, the coyotes start doing their thing and the foxes are moving more and everything's just. I had a pup yesterday that's been awesome all winter, and he decided he wanted to run a fox yesterday. And I'm like, what are you doing, dude? Yeah. You know how many foxes we've walked over in the last three months, and you never even gave it two cents? But the grains, gra- the grass is green, and that fox ran right through here. And, you know, yep, for some reason, scent. you're just like, oh, this smells great. And he's blown out of the country with his head straight in the air. And I'm like, <laughs> you little turkey. You know, so it's something happens in the spring, and everybody gets all jittery and excited. And, you know, it's different. It's You're just, bound to have a couple train wrecks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I anticipate those first couple bears you turn out on. It's just like, I don't know. 
sometimes you got new dog, young dogs in the pack and they think they can run in the front and it's just expect to not catch the first one you turn out on. You could know, have dog shotgun some like this and I, I don't know. It's just that those young ones, they, they can run the front. Yeah, but holding the front is a little different right. story. It's a, that's that fancy dog that I've got. That's what she was really bad about it early on, and I mean she's gotten a lot better now. She learned how to drift the tracks, but yeah, you know, get up there and run, 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 and then next thing you know, you're thrown out. Yeah, by the time you figure it out and turn around, you're seventy five hundred yards. Somebody hooked the right. You went. That's left, right. And now you're playing catch up. Yeah, well, I think having to play catch up like that you know it really taught her like hey keep it tighter you know if you right. make a lose start small don't don't swing way way out there but yeah that's always fun to watch you know they're running you think do they have it or do they not that's always my wonder are they babbling I know. I know. or like are they running and just babbling or do they have it and right. you watch okay they're in line they're in line and you see her take off yeah still barking and everybody else just turns the other way yeah. it's like oh yeah we know what that happened. That bear made a hard right right there on the creek, and she went up the hill or whatever. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And that's, it's super refreshing to have those older dogs, those check dogs, you know. It's like, here comes Belle. Is she going to blow up with that puppy, or is she going to, you know, going to keep right. going where those pup, that pup just went? But So are you starting new pups this year, or are you still running the ones from last year? No, I've got those. They're about a one-year-old now. So yeah. this will be like their first, they they were on bear races last year and they were in there. They weren't, you know, they were hanging, but they weren't up the front pushing. So I'm right. super excited to see those one-year-olds this year on bears. In fact, I need them to step up. Like I want them to, I want them to be able to start pulling, pulling some weight. Right. Cause that's one thing I've learned too over the years is bear, bear hunting is a, is a young dog game. You know, a 10-year-old lion dog, he can still catch lions all day long, but a 10-year-old bear dog, he, he looks like he's been to war and back, and right. he's stiffer, and, you know, it's just different. It's different. It's a different race, and it's a it's a young dog game. Not having those two-year-olds and three-year-olds in your pack can hurt. What's that Chris Ledoux line? It's not the year's son, it's the miles. It's the miles. That's the bear dogs. That's the bear dogs. Yeah, like I said, bear hunting is like a UFC fight, man. It's just so, physically, it's so much harder, I think, on a dog to run mm-hmm. at that peak, at that top for that long, to push that hard, you know, get hot and, and push through it and have, that's the, pretty crazy. have the grit to stick. And that's out here. I mean, I those guys that run in like, like Ross that, that runs in Wisconsin and those guys that run in the, the coast, you know, our a lot of our stuff is oak oak brush and big pines and those guys are on the coast and the dogs are like just plowing through this mat forest oh, yeah. that's got to be even that much more taxing on that body right just mm-hmm. constantly pushing through them the it's crazy i i took a couple dogs up there and ran with bryce in oregon my dogs went 800 yards and they were like what what's going on i can't even see my tail up here in this country you know Yep, and those dogs doing six, eight, ten miles, and that kind of just pushing through, push, 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 push. Man, it's a lot of heart. It's different. It's a lot of it's a lot of heart. Yeah, and it's got to be dogs built to do that. Yeah, because you think about it, it throws the locomotion off. 
Like you think of a dog's confirmation, you're a bird dog guy. Yeah. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. sure you're big on confirmation. Yes. When you've got a dog that's built to perform to do a certain job, and then you're asking it to weave through willow brushes, you know, or through right. the manzanita, and it's making all these moves here and there. Like their bodies weren't really designed to do that. They were built to run. Run. So it's it's hard on them. I think those dogs that come from that, like the coast range over here, anywhere it's real thick and jungly and gnarly. Right. That's got to break down their body faster, I would think, I over think. just all-out endurance running. Right. Yeah, I think those dogs, and if those dogs came, came here and ran, they'd be like, this is, this is great. You know, right, there's not not near as much resistance. I know it's crazy. I we just had to put down my Henry dog, and his brother. So when we had that litter, uh-huh. I kept two and hunted them, and then my in laws took one of the males and they showed him, and he was the the show dog. Cool. And he he was the number one blue tick I think in AKC for 2014 in cool. the confirmation ring, and you awesome. know, bench grand. Everything the dog could win other than Yukonuba. We went select at Yukonuba. Gotcha. But he didn't win it. And he he's still kicking. And I look at the two, like, and I just think about, God, how much older and how worn out and, you know, Henry was compared right. to his brother. And it just, it's like a whole different respect. Yep. You know, everybody's sending messages. I'm, you know, sorry to hear about Henry. You know, my dad's calling me. He says, man, I'm, I'm sorry. That was like the start of your whole ordeal, you know? Right. But it's like, you just look at that dog and it's like, man, the stories that come out of those older dogs that have just been through the ringer over and over and over and over. You're grateful for the years you got with them, you know, because there's never enough good years with a good dog. Nope. Like, that's just not how things work. And they're out of their prime, and then they're, you know, taking a back door to young dogs. And, you know, you're making, like, I shifted total different direction with game. and Right. It, it's different. But, yeah, that, that country, I would assume your country's tough, too, though, on a dog. Being that dry and the hot, like, right. your feet have got to be rock hard, I would think. Yeah. And we- Do you use any kind of, like anything on them or you just run a barefooted dog no i don't put any shoes on them we use that paws are protected at at certain times to condition and and help heal yeah um that that that's a great product that's helped a lot and i think you guys actually picked it up uh, yeah we just did just recently and i i've actually had multiple lots of houndsmen over the last two years are like does that stuff work because dude i've bought every i've bought you name it i've bought it Right. And and it's like, and some of them would work pretty good. Some of them were like total trash. You're like, oh, that was a piece. Of, that was a waste of money. Snake oil. Yep, snake oil. But that paws are protected stuff. A hundred percent helps heal. There's no doubt about it. Because I've had bird dogs that, even all dogs that get cut or you know snagged or went through a fence or got got smacked by the bear or whatever. All those cuts, man. I just take that crap and just pack it in there because it's got a bunch of aloe in it. But it has mm-hmm. some antibacterial stuff too, so it keeps them from getting all infected. Man, I've used that on every cut, nick, and everything the last couple of years, and that's that's I I love that stuff for that kind of thing. And then on the feet, definitely helps. Like right now, when just came off of that that thaw and that freeze, got that crappy 
crappy snow that was just shredding just dogs. Cutting them out. Yeah, that. But going forward, um, as much as I rode them, they get to the point where I don't have to use the paws are protected too much. But early bear season, I'll be gobbing that crap on, just trying yeah. to keep them. They're gonna, they're just gonna stay in the game longer, and they're gonna get back in the game quicker if they blow a pad. I haven't had too many blown pads since I started using that stuff because it takes mm-hmm. that pad and it almost makes it like it conditions it so much, so much moisture is in there that it makes it more rubbery. I think it gives more, you know, instead of slipping, oh, really? instead of slipping on a rock or on a volcanic rock, and then that pad slipping and cutting and and blowing the whole pad out. It's more like a little cut or or it's more. It doesn't just the whole flesh gotcha. doesn't come off the pad anyway. So that's a great product, but. You know, nothing, nothing will ever, will ever take place of just flat, tough feet. Genetic. Yeah, and and I, that was my biggest pet peeve when I started getting into hounds, as I was running Walker dogs, and they couldn't hunt on day three. You know, yeah, we just chased two bears and we want to hunt three more days, and my Walker dogs, their feet, their feet were not the, their their big old sprawled out feet, you know, and these like blue dogs, footed. yeah, and these dogs that I'm running now are tight, tight footed, lots of hair. I mean, just tons of hair packed in there. And sure. you pull up a germ, a good German short hair pad or a foot and you look at it, there's all this hair inside that web and those are feet. And man, if you can get a hound that has that, they don't get this crap in there. They don't get the snow in there. They don't get the sticks. They just seem, right. they just run better. They, they hold up better. They last a lot longer. But yeah, I, my big pet peeve, and that's why I went into running a lot of the blue dogs, was tougher feet, better pads, heck of a lot more hair in there, and they're black. Those those pads are black, you know, coal coal black. They're not white or not pink. A pink or, yeah, there's nothing. You really there. think that has something to do with it? The color of the pad, the pigment. Yeah, I know in the bird dog world, there's a lot of talk about pigment in feet, and it's similar yeah. to horses too. You get you get white pigment, or you get white hoofed horses. I don't know how true that is on on the fox trotters that we had and the gated horses we had. I had a Missouri fox trotter who had lighter lighter pigment in her uh, in the bottom of her feet on, and the two um, Tennessee walkers I had had just black, you know, I that black foot. God, those horses, those those two gated horses with black feet never got tender. Yeah, whether I wore, wore shoes on them or not. It, they were never really tender. That fox trotter, if you, you know, day three of hard riding, if you didn't have her shoed, she'd start. So I think there is some truth to the pigment coloration. I do too. Yeah. I mean, I don't have a ton of experience. I've only had a couple of light-footed dogs, but it seemed like they were the ones that would always slip. Yep. Yeah. You know, and even when you, there was like a weird stage. It's like you start getting them in shape and they're almost there. And one bad run, man. Right goes from being one night away from having good iron feet or starting from square one all over again. I learned that the hard way. Just roading dogs. Yeah. You're a lot better off to do six six miles an hour, five miles an hour and just slowly, you know, rode rode those. When I first got into hounds, I dumped a bunch of dogs and got on the four-wheeler and blew out of there. And I'm like, yeah, they'll ca- I'll wear them out real quick. Yeah, and that first night, I blew every pad and every dog there. And it was like, well, yep. I'm not hunting for three weeks. Yeah, so I don't do that anymore. It's a slow build-up, you know, start at two, three miles and go. And then it's just slow. That slow, consistent yep. roading is where you get the 
the pad buildup and the muscle buildup too. Yeah. No, that's something I think a lot of people really do pay attention to. I mean, hound guys know if you if you don't have a good foot on your dog, it's not going to last. Yeah. So. I had one well, when I first got going, and it ha- she was awesome, but she's only good for one day. And it was like, yeah. well, now I know why this guy gave me this dog, because she was a great hunter, but you hunted her hard one day, and you had to lay her up for a week. It's like, well, that's kind of pointless. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, that's cool, man. I hope your bear season goes good. I'm excited. I love bear hunting. Are you guiding some bears this year, too? Yeah. We'll probably, yep. Yep. We'll be guiding some bears. Right on. The guiding part's fun, but it's it's stressful. It's work. Oh yeah. You hate to say it, but it's like babysitting men instead of babysitting kids. <laughs> you know, you got a you got a fifty year old guy there that thinks, but yeah, guiding's not. It's 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 tough. I mean, you have some really good clients. Don't get me wrong, but occasionally you get that one sure. guy, and it's like you're like we should do like. The guides lament oh, and just do man. a segment on you, like just yeah, botched you should guiding just call, stories. Call about eight or ten guides. I'm sh- I guarantee they've all got stories of that one guy. It's like, oh man, it's like I'm gonna I'm gonna write that down. That one might have to like happen. Baby, that could be a fun episode. Yeah, it's like babysitting a fifty year old, three year old. You know, it's like, dude, no, your snacks right. are not here. They're still in the truck. And oh man, I've had so, I've had some good ones, but. Anyway. What's worse, hunting with a client or with a kid? Mm, my kids, I can tell them to just be quiet. <laughs> I can't tell the client to shut up and sit in the truck. True. No, I don't mind. I don't mind it. I think that's part of the reason I got into hounds is because of the social aspect. You know, yeah. that's this. Look at, look at these field trials that you're going to and look at the podcast and look at what you guys have done with W and the podcast. And it's, it's a, I mean, most... Houndsmen are awesome, dude. They're just good people. And it's they're, true. You know, they're the kind of guys that when you're in, when in a hard spot, you can call somebody or, you know, they're going to show up. They're they're patriotic. They, they're they good people. They really are. Oh, for sure. And, yeah. Well, guys that you haven't talked to in months, you can pick up the phone and just start BSing. Right. You know, like, Jared just disappears for all wine season yeah, and then all of a sudden like he's back. Months, yeah. <laughs> No, I think that's what's really cool about the hound world. And, and you know, you're hunting. You're out there hunting a bear with a pack of hounds. It's not like hunting deer. You don't have to have right. all thing camoed, and you don't have to be super quiet, and you can talk. And, you know, you spend three or four days in a truck, pickup truck with a guy. You get to know him pretty well, right? Him. Like, you talk a, a lot about their life and their kids and what's going on and how things are going. And so that's one thing that, that I really like about the whole hound I think that's one of the reasons I've kind of gravitated to the hounds is the social aspect of you make some really good friends. You make some really, you meet some really cool people. And then the guiding is you get people coming from all over the world, you know, to, to do something that they, you know, guy from Georgia, guy from Texas, guy from New York. And it's just like, they're out here looking around going, this place is beautiful. Like I've never been to a place like this before. And then they see the dog aspect of it and they see, the camaraderie that goes behind it, you know, and your buddy shows up to help you get a, a cat out or it's just, it's right. really awesome. You, I take it for granted. I'm so close to it now. It's like, if you think and look back to the first line that you ever went to the tree, you were like, Whoa, 
It's like awesome. There's this predator in a tree and these dogs caught it and all this stuff happened to get to where we are. And you have a, a deeper realization of like how many pieces are moving to get to that. Yeah, it's almost like you get that one experience and it's what hooks you and you spend the rest of your life figuring out what happened between the beginning yep. and that end. That's right. Yeah. No, it's the podcast. We've been getting so many phone calls and, you know, obviously it's people placing orders or whatever, but you'd be surprised at how many of them end with, hey, by the way, I really enjoyed blah, blah, blah on the podcast, yeah. you know, this episode or this part or whatever. And it's a lot of new hunters. Awesome. Which is awesome because, you know, I feel like instead of this being a tutorial, you know, style or, you know, trying to teach a, like we all talked about the method, right? Right. But the one thing we always hammered on was you have to have your own method. So it's nice that there's so many different points of views coming in right. and, you know, getting to expose a lot of new hunters to this you bet. and spread that knowledge base. Like you think all the wisdom and knowledge in these old timers right? to get it down and, and get it on here, or even just, you know, same thing with a dog. You want to judge a dog at two years old. That's been hunted a dozen times. Right. Even these guys that are, you know, in their thirties, forties right? that are hunting just hard. Right. There's a lot of knowledge there, there is. you know, and it's, it's cool to see people recognizing it yeah, and like going out of their way to acknowledge like, Hey, thank you. That's awesome. We really enjoyed hearing this or whatever. Right. So, man, keep it up. I, I, I've got the podcast app on my phone, and I'm just waiting every Monday and every Thursday, or is it Monday, Wednesday? I don't know. Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Yeah, I'm. I check my phone every morning to see if there's a new episode out because it's like I plug it in and listen to it. I'm jacked. The Dell Lee stuff. I mean, dude, right? Brett, thank you for bringing that out because it's just like. Just pure enjoyment. You just plug that in and just listen to that guy. And I mean, some of the stories are just crazy. It's like, wow. That guy was nuts. <laughs> like, insane nuts. Like, yeah. Like, hey, we're going to rope this line and tie it up and pack it out on a horse. And I'm like, you yeah. crazy son of a gun. Oh, this is no big deal. You just got to put his head <laughs> this way so that he doesn't bite you. I mean, simple stuff, Jared. Right. Yeah, no big deal. Yeah. I expect your next one to come out live. <laughs> Heck no, dude. I don't I don't know. Anyway, I so kudos to you guys. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Jason, for all the hard work. I mean, oh. you guys are doing a great job. It's it's cool because it's a platform. But you got Dell Lee stuff on there, you know, you got Brett stuff on there, you got Bear stuff on there, you got some of the stuff that we're doing, you got Ross as a whole nother I mean everything's there's a little bit of everything there, you know, and I think when we originally talked about, you know, W becoming this hub for providing information and at all different levels i think you guys are finding your stride and i think it's i think it's awesome man just keep it up we're working on it man i mean there's a i know you're on the phone a lot and probably doing a lot of recordings <laughs> and a lot of interviews but yeah even me i'm the one i'm out there listening i'm loving it i oh good to hear keep man. it up well we appreciate it and we appreciate you coming on yeah. As always. I enjoy it. We'll have to do this more often now that you're not out chasing lions yep. all the time. Yep. Days are longer now, so we can play. Right on. Well, I expect a good train wreck story after you start chasing <laughs> some bears around. We'll take long. <laughs> we'll take long. <laughs> all right, Jared. Well, thanks, man. Not a good chat. Have a good week.